0: If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: Economic indicators.
1: Who knows where this is going to end up.
0: To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature.
1: This podcast is powered by ACAST.
0: How you doing there? It is podcast time. The podcast that makes economics intelligible, comprehensible apparently and even... Explicable to you, Davis. How are you, Ed? I'm good. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Looking all like, tanned. I have like bronzed, my bronzed <laughs> look. It's so pathetic in Croatia, you know, because everybody goes on the beach all the time, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And I kind yeah. of come out at about half nine at night. I <laughs> haven't been reading in the shade all day. <laughs>
1: Sitting on the beach under, yeah. under a blanket. And they
0: just call me Iratz. That's my name on the island. What's Irish. That Irish. irats Iratz. Iratz. They actually just, they, they describe the family as nash our Irish on the island. Oh, Those right. are the only paddies, obviously. We're actually the only foreigners. There's very few foreigners. Well, there's a couple of Austrians who we, we call the Habsburgs behind their back. <laughs> there you go. Fancing <laughs> dough, deer. deer.
1: Exactly. Anyway, it's good to be back. It's <laughs> good to be back in in person. In the HQ.
0: Yes. But I have been, it's funny, coming back to Ireland and the covid thing here. You so you, when you're over in Croatia and whatever, you know, the newspapers are not full of anything about cases and instances and rises and this, that, and the other, because they're basically saying we're increasingly inoculated, vaccinated, and mm. we're kind of getting on with our lives. Yeah. And also they can't close down. They don't want to close down. Whereas you come back here and, you know, the first thing on bloody, on the radio is COVID, COVID. this, oh, COVID yeah, that.
1: Yeah. But people have stopped listening to it, I think. Okay. I have, for whatever reason alerts on my phone and a bing several times a day and it all comes up COVID-19 and the new numbers and they're just it's just nonsense to me
0: good well let's have a let's be a COVID free zone unless of course you're a fan of the GAA in which case you can get (laughs) the entire thing changed for yourself (laughs) And that does actually so it's not that the GAA thing annoys me fair play to them but I mean I think the live music thing is dreadful
1: absolutely people. we need to get back live music yeah and not only for the industry's sake and for the artist's sake but for everyone else as well you know it's 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 an essential part of the vibrancy of the city and of the country of culture of culture and yeah.
0: all the musicians that well, we know lots of musicians who basically haven't worked yeah. they haven't worked and they've tried to record but they can't make any money out of recording so they they've no livelihood yeah but that's a and another thing, actually, John, I was reading lots of love stories over the summer. I'm getting very soft in my old age. Chicklet on the beach. I was more than like chicklet in the shade, not on the <laughs> beach, you know. But it was no, it was under the blanket. Uh, Down now. It was Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Okay. Go on. Love in Time of Cholera. Have you read any of that sort of magic realism stuff? That Latin American. Do stuff? you know
1: what? No.
0: No. Well, it's really brilliant. It's really, as I know it'll it'll you know impact on on, on a man like you who's Indeed. highly sensitive creature Indeed. highly emotional yeah. creature uh-huh. yeah but yeah. it's a love story that's unrequited and then it's requited so it's a love story that starts two people in love in Cartagena in Colombia right and then she rejects him and he remains waiting for her for seventy years and then her hubby dies right and they get back together. I just think it's a beautiful story. Right. It's a great love story. It's a love story that went on for 70 years. And I'm obviously getting all you
1: and, and you've condensed it now to 10 seconds. Excellent. Well, that's true. That is true.
0: That is true. So let's talk economics. Let's. And let's talk culture. And let's talk politics. Because I have been watching with very acute interest what is happening in China. Deng Xiaoping, in 1990, made a speech... And he made a speech very, very cryptic. So he was the guy who opened up China. Mm. And he made a speech, and it's actually 1988, so before Tiananmen Square. Yeah. And he was asked about the progress of China, the opening up of China, what's it going to do? And he cryptically said, I don't mind whether the cat is black or white as long as the cat catches a mouse, right? And what he was basically saying is, We don't mind if China is communist or capitalist as long as it makes the people happy, right? So I'm not going to get down on the system. And what I'm going to do, which they said during the takeover of, or the taking back of Hong Kong, was basically capitalism with a Chinese feel to it. Yeah. Two systems, one country, all this sort of stuff. So for a long, long time, the Chinese have been playing a game.
1: And it worked, though
0: extremely well. Yeah. I mean there's there is no other country in the history of economics that has done what China has done in the last 30 years. Mm. Go from being a backward really backward country on every measure to being the largest economy in the world on some measures and very soon to take over the United States. This has all happened in 30 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know it's people amazing. find
0: it a fun and I remember being in Shanghai. I've been there about four or five times and each time you go to Shanghai the place is different because the building rate is phenomenal. I was also in a place called Shenzhen, down in the south, which is a city that apparently was like a kind of a fishing village, about right. yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and it's now a population of something like 10 million. I also went to, you know, Martin, my Argentinian friend. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Martin and I got, got an award in China Ooh. years ago in a place called what did Tianying. Tianying. <laughs> it was what that World Economic Forum. Oh, right. Blah, 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 right. And it was called Tianying, the city. And I'd never heard of it. And the city has 12 million people in it. Wow. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got on a bullet train from there to Beijing. And you just think, I'm in a different world. Now, that's all 10 years ago. So you can imagine what's happening. So the idea that China was opening, 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 and in the last four or five months, but particularly in the last three or four weeks, Mm. it's all changed. China has stopped being open. Tell us what's going on there and why. What is very clear, George Soros wrote an article in the FT last week, and he was saying that for people who've invested in China, which is... Almost all of the West, not not as individuals, but we've invested enormous political capital Mm. in them becoming open. Yeah. He's basically said it's over. It's over. The first thing is Jack Ma, who was the chief executive of Alibaba, yeah, disappeared last Halloween night. That's right.
1: And we spoke about that. Then. Yeah.
0: And everyone thought, well, this is a once off. He's kind of he's he's pissed off the Politburo, the Politburo are reacting to him. He's too big for his boots, right? It wasn't a one-off. It was the beginning of a process whereby the Chinese Politburo are beginning to strangle everybody who might be in opposition to them, who might be sufficiently rich or powerful or influential to be. So it's something deep is going on in China. Yeah,
1: because I was reading recently about how uh, China are now limiting access to the internet for kids. Oh, yes. And, and turning the internet off. They're turning the internet off yeah. for
0: kids. They're, it's one hour a day.
1: Yes. Yeah, right? yeah, now, yeah. there's
0: many, many people in Ireland and all around Europe and around the States who think that's a good idea, but they've done it.
1: Yeah, so it's this but it's for ulterior motives. But
0: this is the idea that you can actually turn on and turn off access to the outside world. Mm. This is the thing. So why don't we go to Taiwan? Because the people in Taiwan know so much about China, and yet they're not Chinese. They're ethnically Chinese, obviously, mm. but they're in their own country. But they're watching it all the time, and they're highly sensitive to things that are going on there. And you remember Angelica Young. It's great crack, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm young are mm. Young. okay. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Let's go she's and talk brilliant. to Angelica, get her take on things, because it really is fascinating. I think, by the way, what's happening here in China is bigger than anything. Really? Yeah, well, if China decides, look, do you think about our adult life? The biggest event was the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Soviet Union mm. and all the enormous changes that that triggered, right? Huge ideological yeah. change. I, you know, we're talking about Croatia, you know. Croatia was part of Yugoslavia before the fall of the Berlin Wall. fall of the Berlin Wall gives the Croats the permission to go independence. The Slovenes, the Serbs respond, you get a war. Sure. I mean, there's sure, lots yeah. of stuff going on there. I think if China decides to close itself off from the West and from the rest of the world. This is huge. This is a one, you know, we started with Deng Xiaoping in 1988. That's like 30 years ago. Yeah. That 30-year cycle of openness may be coming to an end. And now what's the next 30-year cycle in China? Who knows? But it's phenomenally interesting. So let's go to Taiwan. Angelica how are you? Are you in good form?
2: Yeah, absolutely. How are you David?
0: I'm I'm flying. I'm actually in very very good form. I'm watching what's going on in China with a certain amount of surprise but also amount kind of an astonishment. So tell me, what is going on? People are being canceled all over the place. What what's 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 going on in China?
2: Well, I think it's been going on for a heck of a long time. I think it really started when Xi Jinping got into power. And one step at a time, the world has watched with incredulity as um, freedoms got taken away in place after place. And uh, the news always breaks in waves. But uh, here, watching China from Taiwan and paying attention to it, it's just like a parade of news breaking all the time. And I think what we're seeing now is, is just the latest, the latest manifestation of this closing in of China.
0: So you say closing in, now tell me there's a big, big star has just been cancelled. I, I want to focus on this now because, you know, this is, this is like Nicki Minaj or Katy Perry or somebody even bigger than that being kind of disappeared. Oh, yeah. tell, tell me about this woman. Tell me about what has happened. Tell me why this is significant. And then we look at this in the context of much bigger trends of China.
2: So Vicky Zhao was a huge star in a period drama. And uh, she's just climbed her way up China's uh, celebrity sphere ever since. She became a director. She became an investor. She chummed around with the likes of Jack Ma, who is himself now pretty much canceled. And they're uh, basically taking a lot of these people down, the the people who were formerly the, the cream of the crop, in China, the the very tip top of um, society in terms of wealth, in terms of prestige, they're all getting knocked down. Not just knocked down, completely disappeared. If you try to look for her now, you can't find her work. You can't even find her name. She imagine one of the biggest stars in in China just being disappeared overnight.
0: So this is like this is like taking somebody who's just been on the Hollywood red carpet. And making exactly. her go away, mm-hmm. and all evidence yeah. is gone. Now, what is going on? Why are the party afraid of celebrity? Explain
2: that to me. Well, I, I think the best way to think about this is listen to what the Chinese are saying to themselves. A very famous editorial called "A Profound Revolution" was published by a relatively unknown blogger. But it was it was published across all the official Chinese state media. And if that's okay, I'm just gonna read a little piece of it so please you can do, get the please flavor. Do, please do. A storm has started, going straight for the grotesque absurdities of the entertainment world. The cyberspace administration of China has punched down on the fan circuit. What does this attack signify? This is maintaining the political and ideological safety of the internet to create an uncluttered space to deal with the fan circuit. Obviously, this is political action. And those of every domain must reckon with this crackdown on a political level. Wow, that is
0: Orwellian in the extreme. That's extraordinary. So tell me, this is a blog that has now been multiplied and amplified by official party sources on every single platform to basically absolutely. say like there is there is a degenerate fan-based celebrity culture and that is at odds with our true path, our true vision for China.
2: Yes, absolutely. The, China is returning basically, it says in the editorial later on, to its initial purpose, to its communist roots. And the Likes of Vicky Chow, the likes of all the other stars, it's not just her, a whole bunch of stars have been canceled, and the whole idea of celebrity culture has been canceled. Even stars that look too androgynous have been canceled. Like there's there will be no more quote, and I quote sissy boy stars um uh, on TV stars. anymore. Wow. That's knowing. Yep, that's right. Nyang Pao. I sissified. I guess that would be the direct way to trans- uh, translate that with all the appearing in official communiques. And uh, the idea is to go back to, away from the Gilded Age, excesses of the Chinese celebrity culture and back to elevating the worker as a hero, elevating strength, masculinity. And it it even fits in with um, Xi's idea of turning away. It's like China has been breaking its most valuable tech companies. And uh, trying to funnel people power back into these, I would guess you can describe it as hard tech, hunks of steel, microchips, that sort of thing. It's very much a country that is uh, saying, as long as you don't touch political things, you can do what you want in your private life and you can get rich and do what you want. Now it's saying, no, you can't even do that. You have to be a good Chinese and a good Chinese is somebody who is patriotic and who is going to fight against the outside influences. I mean, Angelica, this sounds
0: a bit, you know, to me like a sort of a second cultural revolution. That what they're saying is we're going to create this new Chinese man. We flirted with celebrity, with, you know. Americanism, with Westernism, we had androgynous kind of imitation K pop. We let it all hang out. We let it all go cool. But now we've had enough of this and we're actually reverting because all we see, because it's more interesting talking to somebody who speaks Chinese, who understands the culture. Because what we see is letters in the Financial Times are saying about, you know, geostrategy China, our investors. I'm going to come to that in a second. But what you're saying is that the party is now going after the prevalent culture.
2: Absolutely. And uh, this might be a good time to read another piece from the editorial. Please do. American Xiao Xiaoxing was cancelled the same time as Zhao. Through his program, he sprouts bullshit history, worships the U.S. and kneels before the U.S. and somehow confused a bunch of Chinese into becoming his fans. And uh, this is what I'm talking about. This is connected celebrity culture. The desire to connect with the outside through celebrity culture. Gao Xiaoxing, by the way, is in fact Chinese, even though he's a green card holder. And it's saying no, that's not okay anymore. If you're not red, you're dead.
0: If you're not red, you're and- dead. Now, listen. Just wait two seconds. Hold on. So, tell me who this dude is again, and, and why was just why was he isolated or singled out? Because what we're talking about is editorials that have been read by hundreds of millions of people. Maybe you know cuz it's china maybe a billion people are reading this sort of stuff but certainly hundreds of millions so who's this guy who's been singled out as well
2: he's a musician and he had a show where he would talk about history in this pop historical way and you no know, i was not personally following him but it seemed like he just he had he had he had fans who were interested in listening to his take as a Chinese person who had lived in America, about uh, the world, the outside world. And I think that is at the heart of why he's being cracked down upon. And if you thought the editorial was creepy up to this point, it's about to get a little bit creepier still.
0: Give us more creepy stuff. More creepy stuff from China.
2: (laughs) This will be a revolution that cleanses all. The capital markets will no longer be a haven for overnight riches. The cultural markets will no longer be a paradise for sissified stars. News commentary will no longer give quarter to worship of the West. We are seeing a return to the red, the return to heroism, a return to a full-blooded spirit. Clear away the future of chaos and build a clear, healthy Masculine, aggressive culture for the people.
0: Wow, Jesus! This
2: is this is um, this is this is
0: gang of four stuff. This isn't even yeah. cultural revolution stuff. And tell me, so all this stuff has been sanctioned by the very very top? Otherwise, it wouldn't be getting out there.
2: Of course not. It's splashed all over the place, and uh, there is a before and after, right? The crackdown on ant that was mentioned in the editorial. The crackdown on all these tech. Companies that were doing so well up to very recently. The crackdown has started. It's been followed up upon. I think just yesterday there was a new guideline, like within an editorial, too. There was a 10 point guideline of how the new culture must be. And basically, it is a grand cleansing of um, Chinese pop culture as it existed even as recently as a few weeks ago. So, Angelica, the big question is why now why now? That's a really good question. I I don't think this is as, it's a surprise to me, but it's always a surprise until you look back and you see that it's been signaled. There's been talk about, oh, wait a minute, is our society too soft? Are we too in love with these stars that pull from foreign influences? And there's always been Nationalist sentiment, like for instance, Vicky Zhao. Before she was canceled, she uh, weathered these crises where she was caught like wearing a dress with a Japanese flag on it, and it was like, oh no, that's anti-China sentiment. And um, you know, this is cresting now, but this has been happening for like I can think of just a couple of months ago, a Taiwanese star was canceled <laughs> during the Olympics by her Chinese fans for accidentally referring to Taiwanese athletes as national athletes because you're not supposed to do that because Taiwan is supposed to be a part of China. And you've got to understand, she was a relatively pro-China entertainer. She made a lot of money there and she was always very careful to toe the line. And she strayed over the edge and it was all over. And I knew then that a storm was coming. I knew then that this was going to intensify, but I didn't know exactly when, and this surprised me with its magnitude. And for the people in China, they tend to be more sanguine. They're like, oh, well, this has been a long time in coming, and this is a correction of the Gilded Age excesses and the money games and corruption that yes, you do see in China, but I would say it's one thing to try and reduce inequality in China. It's one thing to, to correct the abnormal capitalist markets. Like, I, I'm, I'm all for regulation up to a certain point, but this is bound up against something else. You have a government that is saying, we have a problem, but they're not fixing it with a scalpel. They're fixing it with a sledgehammer.
0: And tell me, I would have thought that the party is quite content Quite in control. It's not necessarily, there's no necessarily any big event that has prompted them to react to something. This seems to be a gradual strangulation of Chinese freedom of expression, okay, whether it's cultural or pop or whatever. Now, what does it mean? Because I was watching, I was reading George Soros the other day in the Financial Times warning about investment in China. And one of the great yes. one of the great gambles of the West has been to invest in China. What do you think it means for all those investments in China? What do you think it means for Alibaba? What do you think it means for listings? All that sort of stuff?
2: I look, I never invested in Chinese stocks, so I'm not freaking out now. But if I were, I would be very freaked out. And I think it's it's very clear that they're doing this because of Xi's grand national vision for what China would be. It's obvious that he is sacrificing growth for stability and he's sacrificing, before it was like a trade, right? We would let some people get rich in China and then everybody will be on this escalator to riches. So you had societal harmony, you had societal stability. But what have in fact happened in China is that you have this M-shaped society emerging. So um, this has led to a lot of negative phenomenons. I don't know if you've heard about the lying flat phenomenon. No, tell me what, I like I like the sound of that already. <laughs> well, so basically uh, what's what's going on is, yes, in China, a lot of people were making a lot of money, but if you were just starting from the bottom, they pulled out the ladder from under them. So you will be expected to work these Absolutely grueling hours. They call it 996. So from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. If you were working in Jack Ma's Alibaba, for instance, you will be expected to pull those absolutely insane hours. And your reward are paltry. The, the slice of the pie you're getting is just smaller and smaller as society advances towards inequality. And societies, markets do have this tendency to progress towards increasing inequality if they're not checked in some way, and they weren't. And so more and more Chinese youth were simply giving up, and they became this tribe called the people who were lying flat. And I don't have a translation of that in front of me, but I'll describe the concept. It's basically just, I'm going to passively not try. I might still do the minimum to go to work. It's another amazing piece of writing. The the guy who wrote the Lying Flat Manifesto. He actually was such a fan of Lying Flat that how he made money was he was an extra on a film where he was dead on the battlefield.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's a job. job making blood. money,
2: <laughs> lying flat. <laughs> but this
0: was an actual movement, though. This was an actual movement. And a and Chinese youth this, said, hold on a second. This created
2: such, they, yeah, it created a lot of resonance and the authorities freaked out. And of course, you know, then it became, you can't talk about lying flat. No, that's anti-Chinese. No, you have to try. You have to be a striver. And, And they realized that they're freaking out because you also have to remember China is getting old before it is getting rich. I think the plan was always to reach a certain escape velocity in wealth before people stopped having babies and um, the schedule did not, did not work out. And China is, in fact, going to start contracting in working age population quite swiftly. I don't remember the exact year, but the demographic crisis in China is coming. And so it's in a way it's it's been like this locomotive that's but it's going to run out of track. It's going to run out of people. So this lying flat phenomenon has the authorities terrified and they cracked down on the tutoring industry, right? Yeah, no, I heard that as well. So
0: so the the grind schools, which was a huge it was exactly a huge, it was a huge business for lots and lots of English speaking. Online platforms learn English in fifty days. Learn economics. We were going to we were going to set up a, an economics that's that's platform for Chinese, but that's gone. It's been it's been screwed, John. That's a, <laughs> our latest business venture has come to the attention of Xi Jinping and has now been banned. But don't it's... bother
1: me, I'm lying flat. Okay, fair enough.
0: Tell me. So they've, the 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 grind schools, the extra tutors, the extra education—that's all been banned as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah it has. And I would say that it's an example of seeing a sick phenomenon in your society. But instead of trying to find out where it comes from, how you can adjust that attitude, you know, the attitude of basically rat race, doggy dog, I have to get to the top of the pyramid, or I am a complete loser. Um, Instead of thinking about how do we adjust that? How do we adjust the structure of our society so that people can be more relaxed and feel more free to have babies. And you have to realize at the same time, like it is everywhere, the housing market has gone absolutely insane. So um, people didn't dare have kids because all of a sudden it became like, you had to have a house, you have to send it to all these grind schools. And Xi Jinping was just like, okay, let's take the straightest path. Let's just smash all the grind schools. It's, but you're not smashing that, that struggle to the get to the top mentality. And really don't know what's going to happen. He's he's trying to return to, you know, instead of a capitalism with Chinese characteristics, this is this is starting to sound like, no, no, let's just go go, go back, go back to what we had before. Let's go back to red. Let's go back to red. Uh, it's interesting, though, that you describe it as a cultural revolution. I think um, it won't be like that this time. Uh, Xi Jinping himself was a victim of the Cultural Revolution. His father, yes, was, his father was a victim taken up, of it? the Cultural Revolution. Exactly. And, um, and he, he himself was labored down in the countryside for a long time. So I don't think that we're going to have a repeat. And also remember, during the Cultural Revolution, the government absolutely lost power. It was like gangs of red cadets running around the countryside terrorizing people that's not what she wants she does not want that at all he does so i think want to transform the culture uh here let's read another little snippet shall we this revolution will bring a whole new atmosphere What has happened so far is not enough we will use every means at our disposal to crush the phenomenon of the previous society like star chasing fan circuits the little fresh meat stars and the sissies our culture and entertainment spheres will be upright our cultural workers and artists and filmmakers must go down to the grassroots and let the ordinary laborer and people become the main characters of art and literature. So I would say that um, when you say cultural revolution, we have all these images of violence and chaos. I mean the
0: cultural revolution more in in the fact that actually he's identifying culture as being the battleground for the reframing of what it means to be Chinese.
2: Yes, absolutely. I think he is absolutely trying to transform the culture, which we will separate from the historical phenomenon of the Cultural Revolution previously. Yeah, I I just want to go back to the timing of this. Is there a
1: correlation between this crackdown and Joe Biden, for instance, coming into power in America? Is there an anti-American kind of vibe with this?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think a Great part of this turn inwards was, um, let's put ourselves in China's shoes for a moment. When Trump declared trade war on China, that was a real shot the bow. And with one sign of the executive order, the Huawei ban, he destroyed one, one of the crown jewels of the Chinese companies. Okay, and um, let's just take away all this rivalry stuff and, you know, we're Americans, we must be tough on China, whatever. No, that is actually something that is an attack, a very, very serious attack. And it's very naive to think that that kind of attack can be tolerated without some sort of response. But the Chinese, I believe, waited because they had hopes that Joe Biden would be a much more China-friendly president. And you can see this if you go back to the editorials in the Chinese press prior to Joe Biden's inauguration. And I was very, very uh, well acquainted with this genre because here in Taiwan, we were nervous that Joe Biden was going to be very pro China. We were actually very scared that that was going to be the case and that the Trump era gains diplomatically for Taiwan was going to be rolled back and Biden was going to be a China dub. I think China was hoping that, okay, Trump is a crazy guy. He did a bunch of crazy shit, but it's almost like when somebody's really crazy, then you you don't get offended because you're just like, whoa, okay. We're going to wait for the next guy. Things are going to go back to normal. And then maybe we can just chill. But actually, when Biden came into office, while there was a moderation in tone, he very much followed the Trump agenda and all the Trump era gains that China in the moment had the self-control not to lash out against because they think the next guy must be better. He in fact, held on to those Trump era games it's like our envoy to Washington is now the ambassador. And she appeared at uh, Joe Biden's inauguration, which hasn't happened for like donkey's years. So really, like they had hopes that Joe Biden would be a more pro-China president. And when he was not, I believe that's when they decided, no, we've got to be on, on a war footing against America and the rest of the world by Uh, proxy. And just finally, how does that feel in Taiwan? It feels complicated because let me tell you, a lot of Taiwanese people, I was not one of them, but love Trump because we've been this diplomatic orphan for so long in the world. And to finally get some attention and recognition felt amazing. To get some visibility in the international sphere felt amazing. And we were terrified of losing that when Trump left office so when biden came to the office and he affirmed taiwan and he affirmed that he was going to stand strong against china again that felt super amazing and it felt like taiwan is finally going to have a seat at the table if not as you know a full proper normal country but at least you know something more than a pawn a real i can't even say country it's so sad but a, a, but a real place at a table. Let's just put it that way. But I also can't deny that something scares me about this closing in of China, this military language, this kind of nationalistic fervor that's being stoked us against the world, this actually conspiracy theories that are very very widely spread in China. That <laughs> COVID came from the United States as a kind of bioweapon. And it just feels like, did you ever play a video game where the boss is kind of like taking hits, but he's actually charging up and you can see that he's charging up for something big and I'm getting that kind of feeling. And, um, you know, let me just read a little bit more from this uh, editorial we've been drawing from. If at this juncture, we're still relying on our grand capitalists to stand up against imperialism and hegemony, if we're still indulging in U.S. century titty our youth will lose their strength and masculine vigor. We would not need our enemies to strike before we fall. Just like the Soviet Union of old, we would let our country fall, our riches be raided, and our People to fall into dismal disaster. So, obviously, this profound revolution that this editorial is telegraphing China is going to avoid becoming the Soviet Union 2.0, and it's going to do so by building a wall between itself and the rest of the world. And it's, it's going to approach the rest of the world on a very, very aggressive and martial footing.
0: Angelica, we will leave it there. Extraordinary stuff. We were coming back to you, but this is, I think this is the story of the decade myself. I think it's much bigger than almost anything else that we've talked about on the podcast. I think it's much, much bigger than the American economy. It's much bigger than what's happening in Europe. This is the big story. And as
2: always, it's a pleasure to
0: get it from Taiwan.
2: Wonderful. Can't wait to hear it. And thanks so much for having me on. Not
0: at all. We'll
2: see you soon, Angelica. Thanks so much. Bye.
1: What Angelica finished off with there about the comparison with the Soviet Union is kind of scary and it goes back to what you were saying about you know the massive event of our lifetime. Of our times yeah. yeah
0: Well I think that if you think about Tiananmen Square Tiananmen Square is on early June 1989 yeah. They're looking at what's happening in the Soviet Union as Gorbachev is allowing the Baltic states to go independent. He's beginning the process of allowing the former Warsaw Pact. He basically said the Brezhnev Doctrine, which ran the Soviet Union, which is basically, you screw with us, we're going to invade you. He said, that is not going to happen anymore. We're going to let you guys decide, right? The Chinese see this in Beijing and they Look at the student protest in Tiananmen Square, and say, we've got a choice: either we let that open up, or we go in after them. Yeah, and the Tiananmen Square was the end of dissent in China. I remember it well. And do you remember we did a podcast on the Meiji Restoration? Yes, yes, yes. Do you remember that? And yeah. that was the same idea. The Japanese looked at what happened to China. China deciding to be weak in the face of European aggression to negotiate with them, and the Europeans humiliated them. And the Japanese said, that ain't going to happen to us. So Mm. when the first American gunboats arrived in Tokyo, the Japanese took that as a signal to say, we are going to industrialize, we are going to be the best at everything, so we're not going to be taken over by these foreigners, right? So the Chinese are looking at the fall of the Soviet Union and saying, no way. Again, what I think is most interesting here is the idea of the enemy within and the enemy without, right? All regimes that need to solidify themselves have to create an enemy without and an enemy within. So take, for example, Nazism decided the enemy on the outside was Soviet communism and and the inside were degenerate Jews. And the Jews were in the theatre and they were in finance. They are in all these areas, but they were the enemy. So suddenly the German people are looking around. There's an outside enemy and an inside enemy, allowing a dictator to basically dictate. Yeah. So if you think what the Chinese are doing, it's the same thing. They've decided the degenerates are the celebs, the rock stars, the soap opera stars, you know, the people, the kids are wanting to be androgynous and follow. They mm. are now the degenerates inside, and the Americans are the outside enemy. Right. So you can see it's the same sort of tactic. And yeah. It's,
1: it's a huge change. But I was kind of thinking if, if this happened if that kind of cancel culture happened in any other part of the world, it would lead to populism and unrest. But this is populism. This is communist populism. That's what it is. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it would lead to unrest on the streets. So this is going to be a lot more violent in its nature.
0: Or it may suggest that celebrities oversell their significance to the people. Go on. What do you mean by that? Well, there is no protest on the street in China. Yeah, There is no... I'm just saying it's quite interesting that they go for celebrities because I think they've figured out that celebrity is transient. Yeah. It represents something in the moment which is hugely significant to the fans, but actually it's insignificant to everybody else.
1: And I think it's, you know... But is celebrity and the whole concept of being a celebrity is very much a... Modern Western, particularly American, but well, it's an, it's, kind a, of... it's also an anti-communist thing because it's anti yeah
0: equal because the celebrity gets the best table at the restaurant. Uh, the Severus, sure, you yeah. know, so yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so so what they're basically saying is the celebrities are the de- the degenerates, and we are going to purify society by getting rid of them, and we are going to purify society. I mean, what she was reading, you know, yeah. when something like <laughs> that, tough, when, when something like that is published in China, you know it's been sanctioned from the very top. Yeah. That this is not some random blogger who happens to get, at a time when they're closing down all websites, and they're closing down all web portals, yeah. the fact that they've elevated this. And it sounds to me like, I, and I said the cultural revolution, but not in the explicit Mao Zedong approach, but in the notion that all battles are fought on culture, not economics. I would like to think it's economics, mm. but it's not. All battles are fought on culture. This is a culture war, and it's a culture war that the Politburo and the party intend to win. Just a quick note to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters. And if you fancy supporting us on Patreon, you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash David